0: Would you like to be able to start conversations like a pro? Take The Sunday World, your daily dose of what's going on. Do not consume The Sunday World if you're involved in a drug cartel, you're a politician with something to hide, or you've appeared on a reality TV show and care about others' opinions. Consume The Sunday World responsibly. Always read the stories, gossip, and commentary.
1: Ever catch yourself eating the same flavourless dinner three days in a row? Dreaming of something better? Well...
0: Within a couple of hours, he was telling them that, you know, he believed in reincarnation, obviously, and he believed they'd been married seven times in previous lives. And they had a future together to save the world, in fact, and become one of the 144,000 sacred people who would bring the world to the next stage after it ended. I'm Nicola Tallent, and you're listening to Crime World, a podcast about criminals, drugs and the sins of the underworld. In Ireland and across the globe.
1: They're the doomsday preppers who were arrested while on honeymoon in Hawaii. Lori Vallow and Chad Daybell were wanted by police as her children, Tylee and JJ, had not been seen by family or friends in months. As concern among loved ones grew, Lori's lies about where her 16 and 7-year-olds were spun out of control. Now she's on trial for murder. John Glatt, author of The Doomsday Mother, speaks to me, Claude Amini, about their complicated family tree, the LDS church, and what really happened to Tylie and JJ Vallow. This is Crime World, a podcast from sundayworld.com. John Glatt joining me today talking about The Doomsday Mother, his brand new book on the case of Laurie Vallow. It is a quite a complex story and there are lots of characters and I think you've done a great job in the book of laying out... Um, everyone, who they are, the roles they play. So we're not going to go into too much depth here, but we want to give everyone kind of a, a brief overview of the case, of the story of who Laurie Vallow is. So can you start off by telling me about who Laurie is and who Chad is in this story?
0: Well, Laurie Vallow uh, was uh, a very about Mormon. Uh, she was born in California and she grew up, uh, you know, in the Mormon religion. And everything,
1: yeah. So maybe we'll start by telling us, um, about how she met her current husband, uh, Chad Daybell, because I think that really is the beginning of this story.
0: Uh, yeah, I mean, it goes back quite a bit further. In fact, uh, I mean, Laurie, in fact, she uh, believed in a lot of spirituality, the Mormon religion, and she started reading uh, Chad Daybell's books. Chad was an author. He specialized in uh, books about uh, near-death experiences and uh, doomsday Armageddon and everything. And Laurie became a very, very big fan. She read all his books. I think there's probably like 15 of them. And then she engineered a meeting through a friend of hers, Melanie Gibb, and they met at uh, uh, Preparing a People conference where Chad was speaking. And they immediately hid her off, hit it off. I mean, after Chad spoke, Laurie came up to uh, where he was selling and signing his books, uh, told him how what a big fan she was and how much she liked him. And he was immediately smitten. And things went from there. I mean, and within a couple of hours, you know, he was he was telling them that, you know, he believed in reincarnation, obviously, and he believed they'd been married seven times in previous lives and they had a future together to save the world in fact and become one of the 144,000 sacred people who would bring the you know the world uh, to the next stage after it ended.
1: So that must be quite powerful for them to have had that sort of connection given their sort of beliefs and to think that they had been married all these times before. What year was it that they met?
0: 2017 or
1: 18, I think. So things progress pretty quickly, and um, between them, they their connection and um, them together, they ended up getting married. At the time that they met, they were married to two different people. Is that right? That's
0: right. Yeah. I mean, Laurie was married to a guy, Charles Vallo, and uh, she was already looking for a way out. It would that was her third marriage, in fact and she didn't feel Charles was devout enough as a Mormon. Uh, and Chad was married to Tammy. They had five children together, and they'd been together about 30 years. So they were both committed in other relationships, but immediately they saw they they kind of hit it off, uh, and... That was it. You know, they wanted to be together.
1: So I guess moving, we're going to move, jump a little bit forward to what's happening now and then we can kind of go back over the details of how we got here. So she's on trial at the moment. Um, can you tell us about what her charges is, what she's charged with and what is alleged to have happened here?
0: Uh, well, she's charged with uh, the first degree murder of her children, uh, Tylee and JJ. Uh, JJ was seven at the time and... Uh, Tylie was around 17. She was just coming up. And she's also charged with the murder of Chad's uh, wife, Tammy.
1: So tell us about, I guess, uh, we'll start with the two children, Tylie and JJ. So they initially vanished. Um, they went missing and they weren't found for, for you know a long time after.
0: Yeah, they just went missing, basically. And Laurie wouldn't tell anyone where they were in fact, said that uh, they were in danger and she'd hidden them away somewhere, you know, so they couldn't be hurt. And then when the police sort of got wind of it through the grandmother and they started knocking on doors, Laurie did not have uh, a proper explanation. She said, in fact, that uh, JJ was staying with her friend Melanie Gibb in Arizona. And uh, when the police went there, they weren't, JJ wasn't there and Melanie Gibb, Uh, finally admitted, no, no, in fact, Laurie had made it up, by which time they'd kind of gone on the run, in fact, and fled to Hawaii where they got married.
1: Mm. Um, And at the time that they got married, um, this is kind of where your book begins. They're on their honeymoon, they're in Hawaii. Um, Can you tell us about the beginning of the book then and and what it starts to cover from there?
0: Well, I mean, I just did a prologue and basically it was uh, when they were first... uh, called in by the police, uh, they were on the way to the beach, uh, thinking it was another beautiful beach day, and uh, the police stopped them, searched their car and everything, and uh, got them really, really worried. In fact, at that point, it had got so much attention in America that there were TV crews there, there were reporters, and uh, it was all covered uh, on television, in fact. And Laurie was asked, you know, what about your children? The whole of America are worried about what's happened to them. What do you think? And she just said, that's nice and walked off very glibly. So, I mean, it just sort of showed where she was coming from, really, and was the worst possible thing she could do. And then that's how I start the book. And then I flash back to Laurie's childhood and sort of go from there.
1: Mm. So let's talk a little bit about her childhood then, Um she has um, a brother, Alex Cox, as well, who is another character in this, in this story who, you know, winds up dead, as a lot of the people that we're going to mention probably do. Um, so tell us a little bit about her upbringing. Um, was she a devout Mormon from her young age? And do you think that that kind of, her, her religious beliefs kind of played into the story?
0: Uh, well, she was brought up in a Mormon family, but the, the mother, Janice Cox, used to wear, you know, short, hot, hot pants, and, you know, dressed in leopard skin tops and things. So she didn't seem very Mormon. I mean, in fact, uh, Laurie had uh, an elder sister, Stacy, who died, I think, when she was like 28, 29, uh, unfortunately. Uh, She had another brother, Adam Cox, who was a DJ. And then there was Alex Cox, who was she was very very close to. And I mean, I interviewed one her best friend growing up uh, at school, who knew Laurie very well at a, at a young age. And she, she told me, you know, I mean, I thought it was very key to Laurie's character how her friend told me that one night, you know, Laurie was very very upset, and she said, "I have to tell you something." She hugged. And she said, well, my brother Alex is trying to have sex with me and I don't know what to do. And the, the girls, this was when Laurie was in her seventh grade, probably around 11 or 12, and they didn't know what to do. They And her friend, whose mother was actually a school teacher, she never told her mother or anything like that. So it just sort of slipped and it was never mentioned again And her friend uh, is pretty sure that if she'd done something, maybe none of this would have happened, you know?
1: So the friend at this point is, you know, saying that she believes that what happened between, or what didn't and what could have happened between um, Laurie and her brother, it plays a huge part in, in what went on to happen. So tell us, why does she think that? I mean, it's to go from that sort of childhood trauma to, you know, potentially being the murder of your two children. It's quite the leap.
0: Yeah, but I mean, the theory is uh, unfortunately Alex died before he could be arrested, uh, and they say it's a natural death. But um, I have my reservations on that. But anyway, I mean, Alex was supposedly the hitman. I mean, he's been accused of. He was. Uh, he tried to shoot Tammy Chad's wife a week before she died, uh, and then uh, Charles Vallo—that's uh, Laura's third husband. Uh, was killed by a baseball bat by Alex, who said he was acting in self-defense. And at the time, uh, it, the police never pressed any charges. Now, in fact, Laurie has been charged with his murder, I think. So after this trial finishes, she's going to have to face those consequences in Chandler, Arizona. But Alex was always the hit man. I mean, they had an unusually close... Uh, relationship wherever Laurie moved Alex would move basically and they were sort of inseparable in a, in a very strange way so that's what I think her friend meant you know
1: mm. and what about Alex Cox how, how did he meet his end well nobody
0: knows I mean he just had like a he had he wasn't very physically fit or whatever and he just collapsed one day at home in his new life wife Zulema came in and he was like, uh, I think he was bubbling purple uh, things from his mouth and uh, nobody quite knew what it was. And I, I can't remember the exact thing. It was congestive heart failure or something like that. They said it was. But in fact, two days earlier, he'd driven to Mexico to get some prescription drugs he couldn't get over here so i mean my theory was that he may have committed suicide because he knew the police were closing in uh about the kids and he was the next one that might be arrested so i think that's maybe what happened
1: and just to point out as well uh tammy Tomorrow, Daybell, so Chad's wife that he was with when he met Laurie, she kind of, I think her death was sort of similar, wasn't it, in the fact that she had sort of, you know, he had said that she'd been sick and wasn't there something coming from her mouth also?
0: Exactly, the same kind of colour bubbles or whatever, you know. And Chad, of course, said that, you know, she'd be very ill for some time and that was what it was about. He didn't want to have an autopsy. And in fact, I think two weeks before... Tammy had stayed with her family uh, and she was training to run a marathon, you know, and so that was ridiculous that she wasn't in good health. But somehow Chad got away with it at that time anyway.
1: Mm. And so these deaths, I suppose, they all happen within a small space of time between, between- them there's, there's not much of a, of a threat between them. But let's talk about the, the, the two victims in this case, um, the primary ones, the two kids, uh, Tylee and JJ. So September 2019, they both vanish. Uh, Tylee seems to be the one who goes missing first. She's last seen at uh, Yellowstone National Park, is that right?
0: That was the last time she was photographed, yes. Mm-hmm. And then uh, she just dis- disappeared off the face of the earth. Yeah. And when her mother was asked, she said that she'd, uh, she'd been accepted Into BYU Brigham Young University and was away from home studying, but uh, that was never verified. The university knew nothing about her whatsoever.
1: And JJ, then it was it was later that month that he was last um, seen or
0: exactly, yeah, yeah. He he just disappeared, and when anybody asked uh, that, Tammy Laurie said that she was protecting him and she couldn't say where he was for his own safety.
1: So a lot of pressure was mounting on the couple to produce the children. And that was the main reason that they were kind of arrested in, in Hawaii was because the police wanted them to produce the children, you know, obviously as their, as their guardians, they had, you know, a duty of care to them. Um, when were their bodies found and how were their bodies found? Because there was, again, there was a lot of um, suspicion on the families immediately. Um, but as well, with their interest in the Mormon religion, there was questions about whether or not the kids were even still alive, that there was a chance that they could have been, you know, sent off to, to live with, you know, some other Mormon in, within some cult or something like that. Is that right?
0: Uh, yeah, yeah. I mean, even Laurie's parents, you know, believe they were alive. You know, they believe Laurie's story that she was keeping them, you know, safe out of harm's way. And I mean, this case garnered so much attention in America. Uh, Dateline NBC did many specials on it and they were called Where Are the Kids? Where are the kids? And Laurie just didn't have a satisfactory answer. And nobody knew what was really going on, but the FBI were very, very busy at work. And they were doing, uh, they did Alex Cox's cell phone uh, records and they did, you know, cross-references the towers where he was on, the exact days that uh, two children went missing. And they all went back to uh, Chad Daybell's garden. Uh, in fact. And so I think it was in the following June, suddenly the police arrive, unknown to Chad, who didn't know what was going on, and they started digging up his garden, and especially a thing he called the Pet Cemetery, which I think is where uh, JJ was found. And just a few yards away, uh, Tyler's body was found too. And they were in a horrible condition. I mean, they'd been burnt and cut and I mean, it was it was really horrible. I mean, at the preliminary hearing, uh, they couldn't go into too many details. And in fact, they still haven't actually said what the cause of death of the children has been. Maybe that will come out at the trial. I don't know.
1: Mm, maybe even impossible to figure that out, given the state of the, the, the bodies that they were left in. Um, so at this point, Chad is... Laurie is in prison, and or jail, as you call it in the States. And Chad is in the garden. He's he's sat in his car kind of watching this all unfold. What is happening there? Why is he not behind bars and why is Laurie
0: Uh, Because they didn't have anything on Chad yet until they found the bodies and Chad's sitting in his car getting very nervous and it just so happened, Laurie calls him up from jail and they have this really strange conversation where Chad really knows it's the game's up and he's about to be arrested and Laurie sounds very, I mean, they, they played this actually at the preliminary hearing, I'm sure they played at the trial, but it was their last conversation before Chad got arrested in fact.
1: Mm -hmm. and when it comes to I guess all of the characters in this case um do you think that the Mormon religion I know you know played into what actually happened to the kids was it motivated by their kind of you know she was considered she's called the doomsday mother in the media and I know that obviously it's 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 to do, you know, the, the, the Mormon religion has a lot to do with the fact that the couple even met in the first place. But what would be her motive for them, for the, for the kids to die?
0: Well, uh, I believe that uh, Chad has sort of basically brainwashed her. And it was a cult of one. I spoke to Rick Ross, who is the head of the, the main cult association in America. He's helped me with some other books. And he calls it like a cult of one. And there were a few other followers which believed in Chad. And Chad had kind of right at the beginning told Laurie, oh, everybody was either light or dark to different degrees. And he put this whole family and the kids as being dark, in fact. I mean, uh, Tylie was originally light, but then she turned dark, and I think to help Chad. And I mean, basically, they believed that uh, the kids had become zombies, and they'd be taken over by other pre- dark presences, and they were actually dead, and they were zombies. And the best thing for them was to kill their physical body so their spiritual body could come out, and they were actually doing them a favor And that was Laurie's and Chad's rationale for for this, I think, you know. I mean, it's totally bizarre. It has absolutely nothing to do with the Mormon religion whatsoever. And the Mormons have completely distanced themselves, you know, from it. But uh, that's what Chad was preaching. And unfortunately, Laurie sort of fell for it. I mean, I don't know if she still believes it, but uh, everybody's still waiting for one to turn on the other but it hasn't happened yet, but maybe with Laurie's trial, it will.
1: And Laurie was originally, when she was first arrested, she was originally deemed not fit to stand trial. Can you tell us a little bit about that, about what happened there?
0: Yeah, yeah. I mean, she'd been arrested in Hawaii. She was extradited back to uh, Idaho. And I think about three months later, she was deemed incompetent to stand trial. And that went that sort of prolonged things by around six months. Then she was deemed competent again. Then I think again, a few months later, she was deemed incompetent. Uh, now she's competent. But in fact, they took the death penalty off the table because of incompetency. So nobody really knows. And the way Laurie acts in court, I mean, she really doesn't seem to be all there whatsoever. I mean, she smiles. She grins at most inappropriate times. Uh, who knows?
1: Do you think, you know, I feel like sometimes people can... I mean, obviously she's on trial, which means she's pled not guilty. So she's, you know, she's she's gone before the court on them to make the decision. Um, do you think that that could be an act with her? Or do you think that it's, it's genuine incompetence?
0: Uh, I, I I don't know. I mean, I think she's very, very sane in other ways. I mean, you see uh, when her husband Charles actually tried to get her committed and... Uh, that was that episode where she locked him out of their house and took all his money, and then he got the police to try and commit her she she's persuaded everybody there's there's video of her you know available online you know sort of charming everybody you know. Uh, She really knows she's an actress and she knows how to get away with it, you know. Nobody really knows what's going on in Laurie Bellows' head, you know. Mm,
1: She's quite the, she is a very, very interesting character, but as, as is Chad. So at the moment, we know a lot about Laurie, what's happening with her. Can you tell us a bit about Chad? Are they still together? Are they still in a relationship or are they able to communicate with one another?
0: uh i'm not sure actually you know if they can still write to each other i know they can't call each other and whatever uh they were in court i think a couple of months ago for a hearing but then the cases got severed so nobody really knows it's you know there's there's a there's a sort of veil of secrecy on the whole thing Uh, i think a lot will come out at the trial unfortunately they're not allowing cameras in or anything you know uh Mm. which is uh bit disappointing I think because one would have wanted to see you know what was going down but I can understand the judge because Laurie would have played to the cameras you know she had this thing where before every court hearing the inmates would help her make red lipstick out of candy bars which she'd come in with bright red lipstick and eyeliner they made from pencils so she was like uh acting up for the crowd, really. You know, she's a real narcissist. So I think that may be one of the reasons the judge didn't want cameras in there too.
1: Mm, To kind of, I suppose, draw the attention. I mean, it's going to be, and it is already a media circus, considering the story is such an interesting one. There's so many characters in this. Um, And it's such a deplorable thing to have happened to, to two young children, which I want to just jump back on as well for a quick second. With Tylee and JJ, they had brothers and sisters. So JJ was um, adopted by uh, Laurie and her ex-husband and Tylee was her her biological daughter. Um, Where were their other brothers and sisters, their family members around the time they went missing? What were the questions they were asking and and what were the answers that they were given?
0: I mean, Tylee had a brother, Colby, an older brother. uh, And Colby had uh, been with... He was like 10 years older. So he'd kind of been around with Laurie and uh, Colby had recently got married. And after Laurie sort of moved to Rexburg, she didn't even tell Colby where she was going. You know, she just said, I've got to go. I'm off. Uh, I'll be in touch when I can. So poor Colby, you know, didn't know what was going on. He he was very, very close to uh, his brother and sister And uh, I think he's the real, real victim in this. I mean, he's, he's really sad what's happened to Colby, you know, because he's been right in the center of this, in fact.
1: Because mm. of course, it's not just the victims who've passed away. It's obviously the family that's left behind, are, you know, are, are part of this, and this is going to you know traumatise them. Haven't and it always does. Um, the family of murder victims when they have to go to court and relive it again and again, and you know, it's been dragged out long enough as it is. But we're finally getting to a stage where there's a trial. What do you think is going to unfold at the trial?
0: To be honest, I really don't know. Uh, you know, there's no cameras in there. Uh, I can only act on, you know, Chad Daybell's preliminary hearing uh, you know, where that kind of all unfolded. And there was a lot of testimony from friends, from uh, some of the followers, Lori's, Chad's followers, Melanie Gibb was the main one. She testified, she was a key witness at the FBI, I think, you know, about when they found the bodies, but it's very, very hard to know because they've, you know, they really haven't said very much about any evidence whatsoever.
1: And tell us then, obviously, like we said so many times, this is kind of, kind of a minefield. There are so many more characters in this story that we haven't even touched on because, it, you know, it does go back a long time. There's deaths of different people and um, murders and, and whatever, um, suspicious killings uh, such as Tammy. Her body was recently exhumed um, and they're doing testing on that. So this is Chad's ex-wife. And now... Laurie is facing murder charges. Tell us about what happened to Tammy. We mentioned earlier that, you know, she had this kind of thing where Chad said she would have been sick for days and she had, you know, bubbles coming from her mouth. But how was Laurie implicated in that?
0: Uh, I think it was a kind of a conspiracy thing, really, you know, <laughs> that, uh, you know, Laurie and Chad were working together, you know, in this... And the theory is that Alex was the actual trigger man, however he did it, you know.
1: Mm, Because, like we said, he was caught, well, trying to shoot her the week prior. Um, Tell us a little bit about how you went about writing this book and why did you decide that this was going to be a topic for you to cover?
0: Well, I've I've done a lot of true crime books. I mean, this was pretty well, you know, for me, it was just very, very intriguing. I was very curious about it. It had a lot of ingredients I was, you know, interested in. Uh, just how a mother could kill her two children was, to me, very interesting. And then, of course, there's, you know, the whole uh, behind the veil, Mormon, uh, death, you know, near-death experiences and everything. It was just it a just, story, I think, had everything. And I, like everyone else, you know, watched it unfold, you know, really, where are the kids, where are the kids, and watched it. Uh, and like the rest of America. And to me, it was just, you know, it was very consuming, you know, it was and very scary that uh, some of these people could believe these things, you know, and this kind of, that they'd been reincarnated so many times and they were otherworldly beings. I mean, Lori thought she was a god, basically, you know.
1: Mm, like for all the true crime, a lot of the American true crime that I consume, anytime I hear LDS church, or Mormon, it's it's it, 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 they're just the wildest stories that end up being told, and it's such a strange one because you're like you just told me you're from London, you're from England. I'm obviously we're in Ireland. The LDS Church and Mormonism isn't really a thing here. So can you tell us maybe a little bit about the religion and? The differences i suppose between that and sort of the typical christianity that the rest of us will be familiar with
0: uh well it's you know based uh joseph smith you know came from england i think or the tour of england uh and it's based in salt lake city uh they believe that i mean i don't i'm not an expert on the mormon religion whatsoever you know i when i was doing research for the book i would read you know other things mm. on it and talk to people but they believe you know in uh Spirituality and you know, behind the veil and reincarnation and things like that. But Chad really took it, you know, so many steps further into his own kind of crazy religion that he preached. And people unfortunately believed him, you know.
1: And he was as well. He had a his own podcast, or was it a YouTube show he had?
0: Uh no, no. I mean, they all did podcasts. There were there was this group called Preparing a People. Uh, Lori had podcasts that yeah, she did with her friend Melanie Gibb and then Chad would appear on them as a guest and everything but they had like these uh, big kind of meetings uh, all over you know the West and he would appear in it and he was like a star turn you know he was like a big uh, draw, in fact, in that little world, you know, because of his books, you know, he was he was well known in that kind of the Mormon literary world. I would say, yeah,
1: interesting. So he was kind of a superstar of of the LDS church.
0: Well in his own head, probably. Yeah,
1: yeah. And so, tell us then, when you say preparing the people, were they doomsday preppers? Was that sort of the majority of what they did, or they, you know, preached about?
0: Oh, yeah, and that was it. I mean, he had a date. I think it was July. Uh, 20th, 20, 21 or so that was a date he thought the end of the world was going to be. And they were all moving towards that and they were making preparations. They had tents, they got huge amounts of food. They were burying, you know, ready for the end of the world. Uh, unfortunately when that date came, Chad was sitting in jail, you know, <laughs> and mm. it didn't happen. But I mean, okay. they really believed that, you know, that that was the end of the world. And Laurie and Chad had been chosen by God to save the world and lead the 144,000, you know, to the next world.
1: Hmm. Like this is probably something that's easy to kind of get whipped into. I mean, I've ended up on doomsday TikTok somehow. So there's these doomsday preppers who are preparing and showing you how they're preparing. And as I'm watching this, I'm like, Oh my God, I would be completely fecked if the world were suddenly about to end or, you know, all the electricity went or something, you know, I wouldn't be prepared. So there is maybe some smarts to it all. Um, But yeah, thank you so much, John, for joining us and telling us all about your brand new book. Um, Doomsday Mother it's uh, out now on Mirror Books
0: Okay my pleasure <laughs> You've been listening to Crime World a podcast from Sundayworld.com produced by Ian Mullaney and edited by me Nicola Talent. Research Assistant is Clodamini If you like this show and love true crime leave us a review or why not download the free Sundayworld.com app for lots more stories from Ireland and across the globe